0: Hello and welcome to our nonprofit Coffee Talk podcast. Today we are privileged to have Cynthia Adams as our guest and we are talking about how to create time. Cindy brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to this topic and has a rich history and passion for helping nonprofits with their fundraising efforts. Thank you so much for joining us today, Cindy.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Tammy. I, I just, I always love working with you and with Grant Hub and Foundant and it's just, yeah, it's a privilege to be here. Thanks.
0: Oh, well, we appreciate that. We've had Cindy as our guest expert on many of our Foundent educational webinars over the past few years, and I've seen firsthand how our audience of nonprofit leaders, they've really appreciated all your insights on setting up your grant strategy, finding funders that fit your mission and organization and all of that. So let me provide our listeners with some of your background. Uh, Cynthia has been dedicated to helping nonprofit organizations identify and secure the funding they need to do their good work for, wow, you've been at it well over 40 years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 45 at least.
0: (laughs) Forty five at least. <laughs> okay, okay. And, and in that work, you founded Grant Station um, because you believe grant seeking requires a thorough understanding of the funders and sound knowledge of the philanthropic playing field. And your life's work has been to level that playing field, creating opportunities for all nonprofit organizations, regardless of size or geographic location. And now, finding or creating time to fundraise—this is a great topic. Can you give us some background on how you discovered this challenge is a common issue among nonprofits and and one that's worth investing time to create a solution?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, there's a couple of things. I mean, when I talk about creating time, I really am—I'm really talking about making enough space in the grant um, seekers. You know, schedule so that they can get proposals um, written and submitted, and keep that that proposal pipeline full, and and that's sort of key when you're when you're um, you know trying to raise the funds necessary to do the good work that you do in this world, and it it's it's very difficult. And many years ago, I discovered how hard it is to. To be a fundraiser where you were, you know, you're responsible, possibly responsible. Well, at least I was at, at this point when I kind of discovered the system. Um, I was responsible for membership drives, for um, soliciting major donor, you know, donations, uh, for running events. And, you know, I had all of that on my plate. Plus, I was supposed to be writing grant proposals, and it just was too much. And so, Tammy, I think what happened was, um, at this point, I was a uh, the development director for public radio and public television in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to do, uh, to bring the money in the door that that we really could use to do our, to do our work, and there were so many topics at that point. And this was in the 80s. And there were so many topics at that point that needed to be covered in Alaska that we just we wanted to do radio shows on them. And we wanted to do uh, documentaries through our, the television station on these these topics, and we just didn't just couldn't do it because we didn't have the money and I couldn't do it because I didn't have the time. <laughs> it's so, all connected, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very connected. And so I sort of scratched my head and thought, you know, I use volunteers for our membership drives, you know, our on-air fundraising. You've all seen the public radio or heard the public radio and seen the public television fundraising you know, on air. And of course, there's tons of volunteers that are involved. And I thought, hmm, wait a minute. So there's lots of volunteers. and I get all these people to do all these things for us. And it was the same with, you know, any events that we would have outside of the station. And we would have all these volunteers involved. And I thought, maybe, maybe I could put together a volunteer committee to help me work on grant seeking. And that's kind of what I did.
0: Wow. So you formed a a committee. Can you tell us more about that? How, how was it structured and and what type of people?
1: Right. Right.
0: Any volunteer?
1: Yeah, no, no. This is where it really deviated from, you know, like bringing volunteers in for, answering phones during a fundraiser on you know public television. I, I had to be really, I had to really think this through. I had to be very, very careful. I tried it the first time and got it all wrong, so I had to do it again. <laughs> and the second time, I sort of, there were a couple sort of things that I had to do. First, I had to determine what my objectives were for the grant-seeking program. Did I need to put in one proposal that year? Did I need to put in five? or 10, you know, what was I looking at? How much money did I need to bring in during the year or, you know, 12, 18 months or whatever I was working on? And so I really had to determine what my objectives were. So I had a clue as to how big this committee should be. Um, The second realization that I had was that I did not want to tap into anyone on the board of directors. The board of directors was already overloaded you know, with setting policies and, and and guiding the organization. And they were very involved in our online, on-air fundraising. So I really didn't want to tap into them, which meant I had to look for people outside of, you know, sort of the, the existing structure. So I had to adopt um, a recruitment process, a process that really targeted specific skill sets that would allow me to write, you know, really good proposals. So, and when I say that, when I say specific skill sets and, you know, write really good proposals, I want to just mention, Tammy, that when you write a proposal, it has to have one voice. You, You don't, you never write a proposal by committee. So what I was using the committee for was, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that makes, yeah, it makes sense, right? You don't want 10 different voices in a proposal. So what I wanted this committee to do was to feed the writer, and the writer might have been me, it, most of the time it was me, but in some cases it, I had another um, volunteer, I actually had a couple of volunteer writers, and I would let them do the whole proposal. But whoever writes it has to, it has, they have to do it from beginning to end. So the committee, the specific jobs that I identified, they fed the writer the information. Right. So, so, yeah. The, yeah. So the specific jobs were like, I needed, I needed a researcher, I needed someone who could research and really identify the problem or need that we were facing and you know feed the writer with statistics and data and information that would help the writer build that need statement Um, and of course I tried to find a couple of writers that so I wouldn't have to write every proposal Um, and I wanted a copy editor because I needed someone who could take the full proposal once it was drafted and really make it shine. Uh huh. You know, really polish it. So it had, um, I don't know, um, so there was no mistakes in it. So when someone was reading it, they didn't go, ooh, they spelled that wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I needed someone that was uh, good with numbers, an accountant or a bookkeeper that could draft the budget and I'll tell you Tammy one of the reasons I I that particular job for me was important was because I'm not I'm sloppy with numbers and I think I'm being really detailed and very careful and nope I'm wrong you know it's, yeah. it's <laughs> you, you know that feeling right yeah yeah <laughs> You, you sort of, it's, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, it's good to know where your strengths are and, and where there might be areas to have somebody back you up.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, good to know. No, it's true. And it is, I mean, and exactly the reason that I wanted an accountant or a bookkeeper, because I've just, you know, if you, can, if you can get someone who can really put together a good budget and a budget narrative, and I can't stress how important that is when you're writing proposals. I mean, yesterday, just as an example, um, you know we run this um, annual grant proposal contest?
0: Yes, <laughs> it's great.
1: Yeah, it's great, and what we do is we run the contest and the people who have submitted proposals and been awarded a grant can submit their award-winning grant to our contest. and. Yesterday, we had eight judges online and, you know, I think there was like 300 proposals submitted for the contest and we were down to the top three. And you know what made the decision? What? What? Yeah, you're going to, you know, because I just said it, but (laughs) it was was the budget. It was the budget in the budget narrative. Because it was yeah. so clear and so well developed that actually, if if you would have just given me that budget to read, review, and the budget narrative, I would have known what they were doing. I mean, that's how well developed it was. And to get that kind of clarity in your budget, I couldn't do that. So I really needed to find an accountant or a bookkeeper. The other area where I'm weak is graphic design. Like, I like to add them. Well, you know how important it is to have visuals, right?
0: Yes, yes, in the mix
1: you know you you know you want something that grabs the reader's attention, right And so but I'm not good with like Excel even with Excel spreadsheets and most people are great with them. I'm not good with pie charts and that kind of thing. So I needed a graphic designer. I needed someone who could step in and take the information that that researcher found around. Uh, data points that would support my project, um, my narrative around my needs statement. I needed someone who could take that information and put it into some kind of graphic that would grab the reader's attention. And again, that's one of those things you usually want to do when you're a grant writer, but you oftentimes don't have the time or the skill set to do it. So I recruited a graphic designer to help with that. And I also wanted someone who coordinated the whole project. I wanted somebody who was looking at all the different pieces, especially if it was a government request, you know, that made sure all the forms were filled out and all the attachments were there and, you know, looked at the whole package before we sent it in and reviewed it and made sure everything was in place. So those were sort of my key um specific jobs that I wanted. And as I developed my recruitment process and and really figured out how I was going to about go about recruiting people, I, I first came up with those sort of targeted skill sets just to make sure that um, I was getting the people I needed to support me in the areas where I was weakest.
0: Gotcha. And, and so that's the first step. And I you have to know what it takes in order to define, you know, you the, all the skill sets and needs uh, that, that go into writing grant requests or other fundraising initiatives. So that that sounds like your first step, but then how'd you find them? I mean, because you're the unicorn if one person has multiple of these and it's very hard to find all of them. So how did you go about recruiting
1: well, the team? First of all, you know, since you know now (laughs) what specific knowledge and skill sets you need, that kind of helps. Um, I wasn't sure how to go about recruiting people. I, I thought, well, I'll put, you know, a note in our newsletter and let the people know that we're setting up this grant proposal writing team and these are the skill sets I'm looking for. So I did that. And I don't know if I actually got anybody from that. I can't remember, but I don't know if I did or not. But what I did figure out was that, so just as an example, I knew I needed somebody who was good with numbers, right? Right. So when I was in the bank, the next time I was in my bank, um, I always went up to this one teller. I really liked her. She was a great you know, I, she was just very friendly and she got to know me and I got to know her. And so the next time I went into the bank, I said, do you ever do any volunteer work? And she said, sometimes I haven't really, she was pretty young. She said, I've helped with a few things. Why? So I told her what I was looking for and her eyes just lit up and she said, I would love to do that. Um, she was uh, not necessarily a big, fan of public radio and television. It wasn't something I think that was high on her list. Um, But she loved the challenge of putting together these budgets and running the numbers. And down the road, it turned out that her boss actually really um, appreciated what she was doing. He was a big fan of public radio and television. And so it turned out to, you know, worked out great. But she became one of the um, uh, I want to say one of the, you know, foundations of my grant writing team. And she stuck with me for almost four years, which was a long time for a volunteer to stick in a position like that, um, as you well know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was, you know, so, and then once that happened, I thought, Hmm. So next time I went into the print shop, I asked around and I literally, you know, they, they, they literally stopped the noise, and, I, and there was like seven people in there. And I said, hey, you guys, I need somebody <laughs> who's really good at graphic design to help me with some proposals that I'm putting together. Does anybody want to volunteer for the public radio and television station? And a guy said, hey, I'd, li- I'd like to do that. And, you know, what's involved? And we talked about it, and he became my graphic designer. So what I learned from that little exercise that I, you know, put myself through was that you kind of go to the source, you know, you find people that are working in. So it's sort of an atypical volunteer recruitment process. It's not exactly what you normally do because I was looking for very specific skills, Tammy. Yeah. So you're,
0: I like this, you, where you went, where they are they you're not just limiting yourself to past volunteers that have helped out with an event or doing something that didn't match what skills you're looking for you you went out and uh, there's multiple reasons why people volunteer so finding people with the skill sets that love to do what they do and then asking them if they want to volunteer I could that's different I, I appreciate that I love that
1: yeah, and it was and what what happened was that I found that when I found people like that graphic designer, and he was with me. I can't remember how long, but it was it was at least 2 years, I think. But he used all of the design stuff he did for me in his portfolio and moved up the the rung that way. Um yeah. not at the print shop. He actually he actually when he was hired by a graphic design, you know, group. But he used that as a stepping stone. And again, I don't think he was that engaged with the, you know, wasn't that passionate about public radio and television, but he was, he was someone who was just breaking into the field and wanted to build his portfolio, his background, his experience Yeah, what a great
0: win-win. Yes, yes.
1: It really, really was. And because he was trying to do that, the work he did for me was, you know, I mean, it was stellar.
0: Yeah.
1: Our graphics look fabulous. And (laughs) and he, he, I know, I know, I was like, I felt like I was cheating. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was like, oh, oh dear, you know, what have I done? I've created a monster. But it was, it was was good, you know, it was good for the, it was good for the public radio and television station. It was good for me. I learned a lot from these people that I recruited. Um, And eventually, I believe I recruited one other position. Oh yeah, it was, um, it was for evaluation and now, you know, now you would you would think of it as evaluation or outcomes. And I, I was okay with the evaluation component. I could come up with creative ways to do it. Yeah. My problem was that so I could come up with creative ways to do it, but I really didn't realize the extent of the work that was involved to do that really creative way of evaluating a project. So you're bringing in someone who really had evaluation skills and could say, yeah, we could do that, but you know how much time that's going to take, or, you know, compiling that information is going to be onerous or or onerous or whatever, you know? So that was another, eventually another position. But I think the key here, Tammy, is to let people know that if you're going to build a team, look for those weak points that you have first, and that could be writing. You may feel like you're an okay writer, but you're not a great writer, and so you may want to find a writer. If you do, however, I, I I really caution people: if you do look for writers, make sure that the that you have more than one, because you can't ask a volunteer to put together a whole proposal, and then through, you know after they've submitted it, then two weeks later ask them to do another one. You just can't. Um, yeah. And the other, yeah, yeah, the other key thing I learned was that volunteers um, aren't always that reliable. Oh, shocking. Shocking? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: volunteer. Yeah. that's their evening job, not their day job, right? Yeah. So how did you
1: navigate that? (laughs) Well, I mean... Part of the well, one thing that I learned, I think, right off you know, fairly close to the beginning when you know we missed our first deadline, I think, (laughs) um, that you have to, as the person who's running the team, you have to monitor the work closely, you have to identify any holes that you see happening someone's falling down, they're not getting the research done, or the evaluation component isn't coming together, or the graphics aren't, you know, he hasn't even, he or she hasn't even started on them yet. Um, You have to identify those holes. And then you have to fill those holes. You have to keep the process moving forward. So your job is, and believe me, this is much easier than writing the proposal from scratch. Your job is to keep these volunteers on task and on track. and you have to encourage individuals and then you have to know you have to know when to step in and take over but but and this is again this is sort of a key point it's a lesson learned when you step in and take over for someone, you have to give them an easy out. You don't want to lose them as a volunteer just because, they had a family emergency or because their work, um, their own work schedule got super hard for a couple of months and they had to step away from your project. You have to help them save face. You, you, you really do. You have to step in and you have to, to take that over and yet continue to you know, reassure them that you want them on the team and you know they're just going through a difficult period, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and that can that build make, trust yeah, that make, and
1: feel supported by you
0: uh, through that effort then.
1: Right, and not to feel guilty that they had to yeah. drop something. Um, and you just, you know, you kind of have to keep the faith. You have to realize that this is a team. It's a team of volunteers um, that aren't on the board of directors. They're not probably volunteering for anything else um, with, you know, at your organization. And and that's good because you need them for your team. All right, you want to know how many people I had on that original committee? Yeah, I'm dying
0: to know how many, how many, because you mentioned about four different spots.
1: I had 17 people oh. involved in Seven. my original committee. Yeah,
0: uh, how did you work and, that? How did you notice when things were going to? be dropped or when somebody didn't have the time, what what were your tactics in terms of keeping in the know?
1: Right. Well, that's, that's a really good question. And it was much harder then because we didn't, weren't using the internet and didn't have Google docs where we could track people and look at if they're doing their work and all that kind of stuff. So it's much easier now Then I had to, you know, general basically I had to call people uh, and find out where they were at on different things. the And so communicating, communicating regularly is really, really key. When I say I had 17 people on the committee, a couple of things to note. One, we didn't meet as a committee. There were no meetings. Uh, that would have just been a waste of everyone's time. We did get together once in a while and celebrate, especially when we got a at a large award. Um, you know, I would get oh, everybody together yeah. and we'd have champagne and orders and celebrate. Um, and they'd all yak with each other. And that was great. The other thing with those 17 people is that I, the reason I had so many was because I rotated. I didn't, I was putting in a lot of proposals. I mean, we were probably putting in, I don't know, 20, 25 proposals a year. At that, when once I got this committee working, so what Uh I I was really rotating the writers. The I had a couple of people that did evaluation. I had a couple of graphic designers. I rotated people so no one was hit too hard. Um, We would all get on a conference call early on, and I'd let them know what the project was and if anyone was dying to be on, you know, on that working committee, let me know. And I would oftentimes get volunteers that say, I really want to work on this, you know. Oh, you're working on the Alaska Lands Act. I really want to work on this, that kind of thing. So it was, it was a bigger committee, um, which was more difficult to manage for sure. But again, I was rotating people. So that was part of the, part of the a part of what I was doing. That's why it was so large. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice that you have that, that team then of uh, people to pull from, even if they're not all doing every proposal, that's, that's great. Right. I mean, Um, I think, I think
1: you have to, to, I think in order to keep your committee energized, you have to give them breaks. You know, you, we all know that as fundraisers, you know, it, Tammy, we all, everyone who's listening knows this. If you're a fundraiser, you know that you have to give your volunteers breaks. You have to, otherwise they don't stay energized. The other thing that I figured out about keeping the, you know, keeping my team or the grant writing committee energized was that to keep those objectives that I had for the year, to share those objectives with The team and to let them know on a regular basis, report to them sort of, um, our progress, you know, how many proposals have we submitted? I wanted to submit, you know, let's say 22 proposals that year. We're up to 19. We only have three more to go, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, one way to keep a group like that energized is to keep those objectives in front of them. And once you hit one, once you hit an objective, then the best way to keep that momentum going is to set a new one you know not say oh we made it okay we're done you know we're finished for the year no 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 you know you want right. you want this 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 committee or this team to to you want them to build on all the momentum that they're creating, and so you set a new objective, or you you know re- refine the objective. So, you know that that was kind of it really uh, sort of an important thing. And I actually learned these are all things I learned later on. Sometimes, I believe me, I failed so many times, Tammy. I you would <laughs> don't even want to know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you being open about that because this this whole thing that you know what you're describing is very difficult, and I really appreciate you sharing what you're learning, what you learned uh, to to help me so that I don't have to go through the the same trial and error. Although I'm sure I'll, I'd still uh, make mistakes, but yeah, keeping this group uh, energized, and that's a good point of always having a finish line or an objective or goal out there that that people can look towards and and always be working towards and knowing that, okay, well, I'm doing this to help us get there, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think too, I think too, um, Tammy, that acknowledging sort of your benchmarks, you know, just being really clear with your team that, you know, That that you've achieved that that a proposal was just submitted, you know, or a proposal was just funded, or a proposal was just denied, and sharing that is just as important as sharing the information about proposals that were funded or that are pending, or we just submitted this. We're so great, you know, this is great, Um, and I think giving recognition, uh, you know, can be you know it can be as simple as sending out an email um, to the whole committee saying, you know, we have submitted this proposal, um, you know, and the, the you, you have to take a look at the graphics that were done by Ted. You know, look, it's just really amazing. I've attached the full proposal so you can see it. Keeping them really engaged and then, you know, acknowledging the achievements that you're making and then and not just the success successes but the failures and then recognizing individual efforts that are sort of above and beyond you know what, what people are asked to do um so calling out you know any particular work that that you feel is above and beyond that i think that is is sort of critical to to what you're trying to do and to keeping that momentum of the of the team going.
0: And and when everybody
1: sees that communication and they feel part of the team,
0: they feel recognized and and they I inspires them to to contribute too. And the other thing that I like about sharing the final work product is is that everybody can see then how their part fits in. And continues yeah. to be able to put their brains towards, oh, well, now I see how the budget narrative supports the the need statement, the summary, and, and I can yes. do a better job. Or what if I did this then instead? I see how that does even better. And then it, it, it brings their brain power to work in the areas that they're expert, experts on, too.
1: Did that happen? Right. It, it did happen. And we saw a lot of um, cross-communication for example you know the graphic artist may take the you, or your graphics person may take the need statement and develop one or two pie charts or or oh. whatever they felt was necessary, or they might find uh you know a, a um a photo or they may do a, an infographic that they think would really highlight what's being said in the statement of need and so i would we would see um, cross communication where the person who was doing the statement of deed um, would work with the graphic artists and they became, you know, almost a team. Um, so I had a lot of people on that original committee, but they actually kind of broke off into to pe- teams that they, you know, I like to work with Sam because Sam does this or Samantha does that or whatever yeah. it is. And, and so they, they, they sort of formed their own, they sort of gravitated to their own working groups within the larger, you know, committee. And it was, it was, it was just interesting. And, you know, another thing, Tam Tammy, that I want to bring up is that how important it is to debrief with people, because win or lose, it's always smart to debrief. And we, at that time, we did it, um, well, actually, for many years after that, I, I've had grant writing teams all along the way, so um but we uh, always would debrief by conference call now we debrief using zoom but whether you win or lose the award uh, that debrief is really pretty important
0: yeah i've i've heard that from others as well uh that once you experience something using that as the specific example to talk through what worked well, what didn't, mm-hmm. what to do next time, really, you know, what to do different. I I think that um, really brings it home. So that's a, a great does, step not to It make, does. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And as the sort of, as the person in charge of the team, your job is to make sure that, you know, the questions that they're asking in the debrief, Um, Well, if, if they won the proposal, you usually don't get finger pointing. Instead, you get pats on the back. Yeah. But if you lose, if you don't get the award, then the debrief, as the facilitator, you have to keep the debrief on a real positive note. Right. You know, and you have to make sure that there's no finger pointing, you know, well, if you would have written, you know, I told you to put, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Right, right. So, you know, you, you have to make sure that before the debrief, that you have crafted questions you want the group to answer as a, as a working committee, so that there there isn't that finger pointing going on you know like was this the right grant maker to go to because oftentimes right. many times the reason something isn't funded is because you've gone to the you've submitted to the wrong grant maker yeah and and you know that kind of thing so you know it it just or you know we there wasn't enough we we couldn't you know find enough information to substantiate the real problem or need in our locale, you know, right. oh, yeah, we found right. good national national statistics, we found good state statistics, but we didn't find, uh, we didn't have really good local, st- you know, data to substantiate the problem or need that we were saying we had. So, hmm, how do we fix that?
0: And right. the evaluator
1: sure. pops, pops in and says, let's do a survey, you know, and all of a sudden it's a positive discussion, not a negative.
0: Right, right. So that you could build it and have a different result next time or with a different funder, because there are things that are outside of your control um, Mm -hmm. with, you know, what the the funder is funding or other things. so even if you do a great job, you know, understanding what you're going to take and and move forward with or, you know, if there are holes, how you can do fill those in before next time comes around and keeping that positive attitude towards it.
1: Right. Right. And again, as the, as the paid employee, you know, running this volunteer committee, it's your job to make sure that everything is in, is cast in a, in a positive light. And I know that's hard for some people, but it's, it's critical when you're running a a team like this, a committee like this. Um, I know we're running out of time, Tammy, but I wanted to mention one more thing if I could.
0: Oh yeah. Yes,
1: please so there because these are volunteers you're going to lose committee members um it just happens i mean you may recruit Yeah. yeah you may recruit you know six people to be on your committee and you've got all these these you know these positions filled and you're getting to work on it and right off the bat you lose somebody or it may be a year or two years into the into the work, and you're losing um, a critical player, someone that's you know really served uh, the committee well, but has to step down for whatever reason. They may be tired of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, whatever,
1: yeah, whatever yeah. reason. So the key to losing committee members is creating a transition plan, and this is not something... That you do with most volunteers it's something that you do that's important to do when you have someone who works for you or who is a volunteer that has a key set of skills right right so you have to create a transition plan you have to find a new committee member to fill that void and you have to ask that outgoing person to mentor the new recruit. And, you know, if they don't have time, if if it's a family emergency or whatever, or something bad has happened, okay, you can't do this. But if you can do it, you really want to go through this process because it allows you to thank the volunteer. It shows you that because you're doing a transition, um, that their work was critical, that it was important to what you did. It's a way of recognizing them as the volunteer that they were. Right, that they've and, done a tremendous. Go ahead. Oh
0: yeah, and their expertise and the value that you have on that expertise, and you don't want to lose it. You want to keep what they've built and 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 use that as a starting off point for the next person. And and that yeah, that's got to make them feel good that you're not. Yeah, it, it, it not does. I mean, doing
1: that right? Yeah. Right. It, it's, it, you know, if a volunteer just walks away and that's the end of it and they've given you six months or nine months or two years or whatever, it's just, it's just not the way to do it. I mean, you want to send them a letter of thanks and recognition. Um, if they have an employer, you can send a letter of recognition and thanks to that employer too. Um, you know, you can do something nice for their family like send them a, a fruit basket, you know, just something that says, thank you. Um, it's just a gift of appreciation. It doesn't have to be anything big. Um, I remember when I was working with a group that was a work, this is again, many years ago, but I was working with a group that was a um, served youth. Um, a lot of children that were uh, like in Head Start, that kind of an organization. And so we had the kids all write a thank you note, um, and draw a picture, and we gave that as our appreciation package to the volunteer that was leaving. And it's that kind of thing that well, a couple of things happens. One, the other volunteers see that their work is being that the work is appreciated. yeah and that their work yes. means, that it means something, you know um, yeah and that it, it, it's that it's valuable enough that there's a transition time. The new member of the committee that's coming on to fill that void learns a lot. You know, the the volunteer that's outgoing says, "Okay, you know, I like to work with Jenny. She's the really good writer, but you know, Cindy's pretty good too. (laughs) So I use her (laughs) if 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 I can't get Jenny, I use Cindy. You know, that kind of thing. Um, You know." you know i i yeah. like to work with with these people i think they're a good team um but these other guys are great too and just they share their knowledge with them and it makes them the person that's leaving feel good makes the person coming in feel like oh my goodness this is a this isn't just you know something i do on the spur of the moment this is an important role i'm playing so i think just keeping in mind you know that when a volunteer leaves, that you create a transition plan, that you bring in a new person, you let them work with the the volunteer that's leaving, and you do come some kind of thank you, some kind of outreach that makes that volunteer really feel important to the organization.
0: That's true. I mean, just as you're saying that, I'm I'm thinking about how... The, the note to the employer, or when that was done for some volunteer work that I did, the difference that it makes not only not only for other people that see it, but it it with the volunteer too, and and then you know they'll go out and and you know do it again because of that such a positive experience. So
1: that's, right, and I even had um, over time, I haven't had it happen a lot, but I have had volunteers come back. Yeah, you know once they've left and they weren't with us for a couple of years and then they said, Hey, I just retired. I can, I could, if you want, still need help with research, I could certainly help, you know, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Wow. But all these things that you've talked about have really opened up a new way of thinking, right? Cause people assume that, that it's limited. The resources may be limited, but you really, you know, looked outside the box on this and solved the problem and used your skills of gathering people for common cause mm-hmm. and found the skills that you needed to complement your own and created something that would have been impossible to hire one person to do, even if you, even if you could have a separate position just for whatever you were doing with one person. I, I'm so impressed. <laughs> I want to talk more, <laughs> you. you know, where all the time though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if I, if, you, if I could sum up, I would just sort of tell people to remember sort of four. what I call sort of four simple rules when you're doing this. Okay. Um, so it really the four simple rules when you're developing a grant writing committee is that you want to remember that the proposal has to speak with one voice. Don't get a lot of people writing different parts of it and trying to put it together one voice and then you have to you have to be the safety net you know always step in if a committee member stumbles uh, you know your your committee members need to know that you have their back they're not doing something wrong they're they're not a disappointment so you have to be the safety net And then you have to recognize individual achievements and you have to recognize the committee's achievements as well. Recognition all along the route is really important, but nothing fake. It has to be real. It was like, wow, look at this graphic that Ted just sent me. Isn't it something, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And then you have to replace volunteers and, you know, and do that if you can do it as a, as a transition. I'm not as just. Oh, he's gone. Here's a new person. So really, one voice. You know, be that safety net. Recognize individual um, achievements and in the committee achievements, and replace your volunteers so that committee's always working for you.
0: Oh, that's a great. That's a great summary, and it did hit on on all those key parts. I love how you tell a story and then have specific checklists that helps us take away. Uh, the key nuggets that you've shared with us. I, I thank you so much for that. <laughs> As we've proven You're in the welcome. past, we, we could talk forever. <laughs> you have so much wisdom experience <laughs> to share.
1: <laughs> thank you, uh, Tammy. I how sweet of you to say.
0: Oh well, I I so am honored that you you spend time uh, helping our community, and I love spending time with you too. Um, I'll put links uh, in the podcast show notes to the items we've discussed uh, so far. I want people to see the results of your early passion and work. Uh, So I'm going to include the link to Grant Station's website as well as those educational webinars that I referenced earlier. Um, you talked about the art of securing local business support with us, as well as that powerful grant strategy and and uh, the key to successful grant requests. and And so those are key resources we'll put in the show notes as well. Are there any other resources we should highlight or places our listeners can learn more about this work and your experience?
1: Well, I do, we do have a, a free um, webinar or training on the homepage. I think it's on the homepage of Grant Station called Creating Time. It touches on developing this committee, but it has a lot of other ideas and thoughts for making more time in your schedule so you can write grant proposals. Okay. Um, and then we will be announcing the winner of our grant proposal contest um, soon. And those grant proposals, uh, we will be doing a, a public webinar, a free webinar. Um, it was an interview from our judges and, uh, and the winner of the proposal contest. And I think that'll be interesting too. And that'll probably happen in October. Hopefully this airs before October.
0: <laughs> yes, yes it will. Yeah, so I'll put that link to, to both that Creating Time resources as well as your homepage there to, to learn more about that content. Great, great. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you, Tammy.
0: Well, thanks again, Cindy, for helping our community and, and bringing such interesting topics to discuss. Um, this is a great topic and helping our community find ways to create that time for all this important work that needs done to help fund their, their missions. Uh, we appreciate your time. And, uh, if we encourage our listeners, if you've enjoyed today's nonprofit coffee, talk podcast, please share it with others who might enjoy it as well. Uh, share the love that and, uh, knowledge that Cindy has shared with us today. And we look forward to connecting on future webinars, our podcasts and on our community discussion platform compass. Uh, Do you have any other final thoughts or advice to leave our listeners with, Cindy?
1: I just, um, just be sure and include my email in the links that you send or share with people. And if anyone has any questions, feel free, seriously, feel free to email me and I'll be glad to answer. Thanks, Tammy. Thank you so much. Take care.